Very tough loss. I am very depressed right now. An Eagles win was all Kara Ripley wanted on her 30th birthday. Definitely not the birthday gift I wanted. So sad that some fans could barely keep it together. We answered, I talked stuff, I thought we had it, but it goes to show you who's the better team, and I'm sticking Cowboys. You're, you're crying. I'm hurt. You gonna flap the hat one more time for the Eagles for the hard fight they did? Let's go, birds fly, eagles fly. The only thing I'm second to say is, how about them cowboys? How about them cowboys, indeed? All right, here we are, Cowboys fans. Happy Cowboys Eagles week. We're here to discuss it all, preview it all with you. Cowboys are one and one, looking to take a little bit of a lead in the division as they face the Philadelphia Eagles, and we've got somebody to break it all down a little bit later in the show. Bo Wolf of the Birds with Friends podcast here on the Athletic is going to give us some insight on the Philadelphia Eagles. Very excited for today's show, which is presented by Visa. Visa is a network working for everyone. We've got Kevin KT Turner from The Eagle and Sports and Such. Set your DVRs accordingly. And Father John Mishota from The Athletic to discuss some crazy notes coming out of the star this week. Take it away, KT. Yeah, thank you. Um, so before we, um, you know, the Cowboys and Eagles is Monday night. And at the time, we're, we're keeping our normal recording time. So it's really hard to talk about some injury stuff. But maybe we'll get into some of that later with Bo Wolf uh, from Birds with Friends, of course. Um, you know, John, I don't know, outside of, you know, the Amari Cooper thing, which we'll, we'll probably get into later. You know, maybe Donovan Wilson. It's just a little too early to know. The availability of some injuries. So if you're if you're listening, going out, oh, you guys talk about injury stuff. I just want to say we're, we're keeping our normal recording time, and the game's on Monday. The team won't get started till a little later in the week. It's just gonna be hard to know much uh, about injuries as of right now, and who'll be available. But one thing we did have time for one person who did have to go make an appearance in front of the media was special teams coach John Fossil. Oh, Bones is at it again. And while many Cowboys fans had a bone to pick with Bones, well, wait till you hear what he said. Um, I don't know. John, you saw it all happen. Um, so maybe you can walk it through, or maybe we need to play the audio first. Yeah, let's so play the audio, Casey. Knows. Um, let me tee it off real quick. Yeah, tee it off, yeah, and then yeah, I'll you play You tee it off on Ryder Cup week. You let, tee it off. Let me, let me just say, it certainly appeared to me that Bones walked into this media scrum knowing that this was obviously going to be asked, so he was prepared uh, with a response. And so this is the route that he went with. If you're going to prepare a response, like, don't you go to Rich to prepare a response? <laughs> this is not the response you prepare. That wasn't the right response to, like, have in your back pocket. I don't know. Kent, let me break you. <laughs> let me share something with you. Uh, another, when that press conference was over, Another member of the media who listens to this podcast, who will enjoy me mentioning this, pointed out, because I was down tweeting, pointed out that John looked over at Rich right after he said these words. So clearly, they had talked about this. Oh, wow. That, that, that shocks me a little bit. All right, I'll play the audio here for the listener to give him some context. process on, on trying to block the punt. Yep. Um, the thought process was, I think Cowboys fans aren't the play it safe type. So I was going to give them what they wanted, come after their ass on punt rush. So I hope they're happy with it because we, we, came, we came after them. Um, it's kind of the mindset going into the game that we're going we're gonna to come after this, come after this football. Um, and you can sure debate everything. <laughs> um, but I'm still not so sure that we actually roughed them. Uh, okay, John. Um... So, the Cowboys fans wanted that, is one thing that he's saying. And I have had a few people fight me on that, by the way, but that's just a few. I think most reasonable football people know it was a terrible idea to go for the punt block at that point in time on 4th and 20, when you're about to get the ball back, when they really hadn't stopped you outside of that one interception that Dak threw. And, by the way, you were going to be kicking back to them to start the second half. So, not only did you cost yourself an opportunity of getting points you gave them an opportunity to get points and got lucky that they missed a field goal um 
So there's a big, big issue. But my number one issue is that we have man from Anaheim who's been with the Rams, Ravens, and Raiders his whole life comes in and says that Cowboys fans aren't the play it safe type. Dude, last time I checked, like I don't think Cowboys fans are like known for not like not having a seatbelt on. They're not like they're not like known for you know uh, popping wheelies on their motorcycle I, on the I, freeway. I, what in the world is this he just doing? Shows like he wasn't following the Jason Garrett era at all. I guess <laughs> because like that's what we needed was a, a, a little bit of normalcy. Like I think. Oh, it's- I, I, I it's think, bigger. I think I think fans don't want the the crazy, um, spastic plays like that. I think fans want want consistency. Sure, but I will say it's bigger than Fossil. It starts with Mike McCarthy. I think it's been very clear since he was brought in here that that's what he was going to do. He was going to be very aggressive uh, in his play calling, and I think that's why he. It's not like there's this. You know, oh, this has always been this has always been Mike's special teams coordinator, so you knew he was going to get John Bones Fossil. No, it's he knew that Fossil's very aggressive. I mean, before he came to the Cowboys, I think Cowboys fans would know of John Fossil that, like, oh, isn't he the special teams coach that like has his punter throw like a lot? I mean, Johnny Hecker. This is yeah. his. This is the way he goes about it, and Mike likes that. Mike likes them being aggressive like that, um, and I think that to a certain extent, fans wanted to see that after the previous coaching regime. But with that being said, you can't be doing things like this all the time or even saying the aggressive part. Like I, you know, I think Cowboys fans would like that because then it comes down to the whole, well, then why do you ever punt? Are you not being, you know, whenever the, yeah. whenever the coaches will sit there and say, we want to be aggressive or we, we trust our guys or that. Well, then why are you ever punting? Why don't you just always go for it then? Why don't you, why don't you always come after the punter? Like there is still strategy involved. And I guess the reason I have, a big issue with it is one, the way that game was going. There was no reason to give them any momentum. And two, the strength of this team, without question, is your offense. And with Dak Prescott healthy, it moves the football. Let them just get the ball back and do their thing. Right. Like this isn't a team that has a really great defense and kind of a vanilla offense that just kind of goes through and, and kind of just doesn't make the big mistake. Then you're sitting there going, yeah, two minutes ago, deep in their time. Our offense ain't moving this thing out. Then maybe you take a chance there. But but your offense is loaded here. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't need to make to take those risks. And so uh, that one left me a little surprised. And then I thought it was interesting that Tuesday morning on The Fan, J- Jerry Jones does his weekly radio interview. And even he said that that was a little too risky for him. Yeah. For Jerry well, Jones, that was too risky. <laughs> The guy who wanted Manziel, no, but 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 aggressive. Uh, we we use the term aggressive, and we and we've used it in a positive the light guy that for many years. For many years, we've used the word aggressive in a positive light because of Jason Garrett, right? Because and, and we need to wipe all that out. Okay, this one aggressive is different than stupid, and that was a stupid football play. Just like the last few seconds were stupid, and and you got lucky that Zerline made a fifty-six yarder. I don't want to hear percentages. I don't want to hear any defense of that. They wasted time when they had a chance to go get more yards and get closer. A goal that they wanted. And McCarthy admitted they wanted to be closer. Right? <laughs> so, like, that that's all a problem for me. So, like, bad excuse. The clock's going out. Okay, that happens. Kellen got blocked. Okay, there are thousands of clocks in there. There are people in the booth who have a TV copy. Live. Getting the game live on TV. People on the staff knew how much time was on the clock. You had a full... Time TV timeout to call multiple plays, and I know you didn't. You didn't because you, Tony Pollard, when he gets tackled, he lackadaisically throws the ball over to the ref. Just kind of, uh, it was very half-assed. Everyone was moving slow. There was no play called. Then you move into to Bones's explanation, and here's my issue. My biggest issue, outside of the, the call and, and what happened there, it's not outcome based. It's not well. Here's what happened. This makes it right. This makes it wrong. It's that this stuff will eventually get you beat, okay? What you did was not a high percentage play. 
It was not a smart thing to do. And you're supposed to, as a coach, put your players in a good position to win. Otherwise, I never want to hear the word rookie mistake out of a coach ever again in my life (laughs) then. I don't want to hear that then because that doesn't exist then if you're pretending like that couldn't happen. I don't ever want to hear that again. So my biggest issue is that he came in amped up, ready to stick it to Cal's fans. (laughs) We're ready to stick it to the media. How dare you call me out? I'm the best special teams coach that ever lived. I'm the god of special teams coached. I created the watermelon kick. All bow down to me. I'm the most powerful man in the organization, apparently. Yeah, but I had big time problems with how he handled that. But that isn't his personality, though. So it was kind of surprising he acted that way because he is. He is the type of guy that I really thought there was a good chance that he was going to go in there and go, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. That was a little too aggressive there because he is My the type. Bad. He is the type of guy to be that sides too. So if you just read the quote, it does sound arrogant, but that really isn't the John Fossil that I've been around the last year and a half. One of my biggest issues about not only with Fossil, but with McCarthy talking about this uh, on Monday was the sense of they got into field goal range, like. 56 yards is like we're like in the field goal range. That was good enough, yeah. Like, oh, let we're in field goal range, just, we're good. Let me come at you from this perspective. I don't think there's any question that if you could pick any kicker right now in the league, you'd probably go with Justin Tucker. And of the last 20 or 30 years, we're going to go ahead and take a guy by the name of Adam Venateri in his prime. I don't think with either of them, you're like, oh, oh, 56 yards? Yeah, just go, go on, go on. We don't need to do anything else. Let alone... A guy who was so bad the week before that you literally added a kicker on your practice squad who then, now after that game-winning kick, you've released. So clearly it was just because of you didn't know for sure if Greg had fully recovered from uh, his off-season back surgery and if you know there were some other issues he was dealing with. So you factor all this stuff in. I don't know how you can say with a straight face that you're like, oh, no, no, we were in, we were in field goal range at 56 yards. The way Dallas's offense is, they should have been going for a touchdown there. Until there was three seconds left on the clock, then you kick the field goal. Like, Well, after the, on the post-game pod that we recorded, um, my thought was that they desperately wanted to avoid what happened the week before where it was, you know, Brady had the ball last. So they were going to do whatever it uh, took that they, when they kicked the field goal, it was going to be on zeros. And having been around the coaches and talking to people since then, it certainly sounds like that's the case, that they wanted whatever was going to happen. If that meant that they were going to go overtime, which doesn't make a lot of sense, let's try and win the game, but they were going to be fine with it as long as they didn't give the ball back with any time left on the clock. So they were going to play for wherever kick. As soon as they got into a quote-unquote field goal range, they were going to be fine with that. All they were trying to do was drain the clock at that point and kick the field goal. Once they knew they were now, in range, basically. Which which is fine if you're under 20 seconds, under that's 17 seconds. But when there's 28 seconds... Right. I feel like they could have, have gotten down to the 10-yard line or something and taken a shot. C.D. Lamb, you've got this offense. Like, I feel well, like it didn't have to this, come down to a kick. Like, am with, I crazy? With, with my, no, but I mean, it can come down to a better kick. My right. thing is that with 28 seconds, what you do is you call the timeout right there. With 28 seconds on third down, you can throw a pass. And if it's incomplete, then yeah, the clock stops at what, 20 seconds? Okay, so so then you kick the field goal there and you give it back to him with like maybe 15 seconds. Like Justin Herbert's great, but like what are they really going to do in 15, 20 seconds? And, and, and what would be much more likely is that on a third and three or whatever it was there, you throw a short pass, it's completed because they're all dropped back on defense. And then, yeah. okay, the clock's running. But with 20 seconds, you have so much time to get up there and get everybody up there clocking it. People aren't running completely deep, and and you're like, oh, it's going to take 30 seconds for them to run back here. Like, You have more than enough time to then clock the ball and then bring Greg out there to kick, let's say, a 46-yarder. They had three minutes in the break to talk about it. I I mean, this matters. There are times when there's a timeout, and they don't like go to commercial, and it's a quick one, a 30-second timeout type thing. This was a full three-minute TV timeout. That actually absolutely matters. CBS was trying to get to the Emmys, right? They were trying to pad this thing a little bit. Okay, they were clearing out inventory. You should have called two running plays. Um, and, I, and I've heard the personnel excuse, and here's what I'd like to say about that. If Amari Cooper's hurt and he's not going to be in the game, then you know who your three wide receivers are going to be. If you're going to be in 11 personnel, if you're going to be in 12 personnel, you're calling two plays in the same personnel where there are no substitutions. Because guess what? You have time to talk about it during the break. You have time to talk about it. 
Like, that's my biggest issue. So, Amari Cooper's not going to be on the field, or he is. We know. Okay, he's not going to be. Are we going to have one run? Are we going to have one tight end, or are we going to have two tight ends? But call two running plays. I don't even and have. Then, and I don't even have a problem with this. If this is 2016, and you're Jason Garrett, and you're just like, "Hey, we love Dak. He's he's great. Obviously, he goes on to win Rookie of the Year, but he's still a rookie quarterback. Let's just make sure that we get a kickoff. That like there isn't any mix up on anything. Let's just. Dak is Dak is your most valuable player. He's the player that you should entrust everything in. Like he knows what's going on. You should trust him to either. You know, to well, yeah. what you should do is you call the time time out there, and then trust him that like, hey, he's not going to throw a risky throw. If there isn't something there, he'll throw the ball away. Like when you have this is why you paid all the money for that quarterback. Exactly. You know. Exactly. You know, and I, and I think the thing about passing, I would say the one thing I would say is, even though Terrence still held up his end of the bargain and deserves a ton of credit, you still had the Joey Bosa Terrence still thing happening. Uh, so, like, to me, dropping back to pass at that point. I'm not even throwing a, a route little, that a has a chance risky. for Joey Bosa to get there unless, unless yeah, Terrence no, Steele completely quick. falls down. Yeah. I'm talking getting 5 to 10 yards. I'm talking to make this thing 46 to 50 yards instead of 56 is what I'm talking about. Like, it, It's not – It's not. Uh, 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 I swear it's not a thing where it's like because we watch the Cowboys so closely. You watch the NFL, there are teams who effort, uh, effort, effortlessly – thrive in these situations and have for years and here it is just kind of singing like a cluster almost every single time it happens and this goes back to the garrett era and but but you know what kt my big problem with mccarthy was the end game crap and here we are like where is this team without dan quinn and kellen i will say this there was there was a lost there was a part of me that thought of when this is going on thought of you talking about how this happened in Green Bay. Andy was calling plays on top of it. That seems like that's real wild. Like now it's real bold for Green Bay to be doing that. Yeah. But uh, it worked out. They won a Super Bowl. And let's try and be positive, KT. You know, I see, I see your Twitter. I see your Twitter mentions. Okay, they won. I see your Twitter mentions. You said they, there's yeah. people that think we were being too negative after that win. It's a win, yeah. and a win is a win. I think the problem though that you and I have is that, like you mentioned earlier, a little bit is that uh, it's not about really this game. It's about seeing that and thinking, when is this going to come and cost you? Like, or do you learn from Wait, this? I don't know. I'll come but. on here and get really stoked when the Cowboys kick someone's ass. They did not, you know, they they scraped by a win last week. So Dude, I, I'm not going to come on here. Oh, and, I don't and care. Say oh, hey, honestly, I don't even care that they scrape by. I, the score is meaningless to me when it's a win. Like uh, you, you, you value that. I'm just saying when you see a situation like that happen like that, you're just thinking, well. Uh, I've watched a few NFL games, and it, most of them come down to situations like this. Yeah. Like, there's not that many blowouts. Like, they're going to be close like this. I want to have the advantage that my coaching staff is going to be at their best in those situations because yes. these games come down to these situations almost huh. all the time. And how how long are like, I should say almost so all tired. the time. I bet you it's probably like 50, 60 percent. But it seems like all the time. The Cowboys fan, to me, that defends this or like or whatever – I get it. We want to be happy about a win. Sure. Like, I understand. Sure. I want this team to be like the Ravens or, you know, who, who are or the Packers very or the well Chiefs. Run, yes. or the Pitch, who are well run, Steelers, who are well run and who are in the mix. Seattle, who's in the mix every freaking year yep. because they got their organization buttoned And, and this organization and has this the ability it. to be those organizations because they have the money. They have the resources. They they have the people in the front office. And when I say that, I'm meaning a lot about Will McClay. People that know how to add the pieces and things like that to keep you in the conversation with those teams. Like anybody that sits there and thinks they're building the 90s Cowboys over again, like that's not going to happen. But in the way that the NFL is today, they have all the resources to be all of those franchises that you just said if not better because of the exposure that they have but i agree with you completely that when you look at teams like the ravens and and for me i think the packers the steelers like they're just certain ones that are run very very well and when they're in those situations and the percentages are you know 50 50 like that you know that you have a little bit of an edge because you trust that your coaching staff is is already worked through the scenario is going to put you in the best possible situation for the players to have success. It reminds me of baseball a little bit, you know, in a baseball manager. Like, it doesn't matter how good your players are. It doesn't matter how good your pitchers are. If, you're, if your manager can't put a lineup card together, right, or if your, your manager doesn't know when to pull a guy out of a game, 
that can that can really screw everything, you know? So I just have a feeling like I'm not worried about Dak, right? I'm not worried about Michael Parsons. I'm not worried about like the individual parts, but like as a whole, oh, I don't I don't know. That's what I'm scared yeah. of. <laughs> We're not we're not killing them like they're the Jets and the Jaguars, but it's like you keep doing Raiders, Chargers, you know, Vikings, Bears, right, Texans, exactly. you're the Cowboys. Cardinals type crap. There's the caliber you're in. Like you're not you're not even deserve to be in the same conversation as the Ravens and the Steelers and, honestly, and the Packers and the Chiefs and all these teams we've been talking. about. But if about. you are one of those bad teams, I don't even think we'd come on here if we were covering one of those teams and complain about it because you would just be used to it. And I know there will be Cowboys fans that say like, "Yeah, well, it's been 26 years since they won a Super Bowl," and I get that. But I'm telling you, the resources are here for you to have success yeah. in today's NFL. That's why things like that annoy me. Clearly, after the game, I could tell annoyed you, KT. Um, it's that you know you have the franchise quarterback. You're, you you know you've drafted pretty well. You continue to add these pieces in. Uh, you're not in salary cap hell. If you absolutely need to add a piece, you can add a piece. Like you're in win now mode, and so you just want when you're in those situations to be given the best possible scenario to have success. You know, it's not necessarily about yeah. the drawing up the trick play to win the game late. It's just put your guys out there to give them the best chance of having success. And 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 I'm sorry, but that last thirty seconds, I just didn't see that. Well, I think the only way that we can clear all this up and be happy is if we bring in our special guest this week. From the uh, Birds with Friends podcast, friend of the show, I would say. We're, we're friendly with the Birds with Friends people. Uh, he is somebody who grinds every day on the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Bo Regard Wolf. Uh-oh. Hey, Bo. Thanks for having me. I miss you, Kent. I miss you, man. It's It's been a while. I used to... Uh, produce you guys full time and now uh, my other producer is, is uh, enjoying her time with you guys uh, I see her on YouTube you guys are killing it definitely check out Birds with Friends but uh, we thought we'd have you on here to talk a little bit of Eagles and uh, maybe get some smack talk going between the shows um, fair enough you know we haven't had any NFC East crossover and we figure uh, now's the time so well Welcome. yeah it's crazy I don't know about I don't know is the, is the Cowboys schedule this way where this is the only division game the Eagles have in the first like whatever uh, 13 games like they have, they finished the season with five NFC East games and this is the only one other than those last five games that's a division game is it like that for the Cowboys uh, it's similar they got the Giants in a couple of weeks but after okay. that then it's yeah basically that end of the season it's you know four of their last five games are Washington New York Washington again and then uh, they close, you know. Yeah, I want to sprinkle this juice in a little more throughout the season. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> I like maybe two or to end the end the season in the division, but five in a row. That's like it's too backloaded, especially when how bad the division was last year. Like right. you could be setting up for some just awful games that no one really cares to watch anyway. Well, yeah, and it wouldn't be so bad if like uh, like if if they didn't have to play the rest of the league the first thirteen <laughs> games, maybe the records wouldn't be so bad. The race to nine is what was yeah. probably what we're dealing with here in the division, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you might be right. <laughs> you might be right. Um, so, man, I feel like, Bo, you guys, I, I watched that game uh, pretty closely on Sunday, and it was a, a bit of a slugfest, just everyone just kind of punching each other a lot. But it feels like you guys, the injuries is kind of the big story from that game uh, at the end of it. You know, you kind of look at it and go, man, we kind of had a chance to beat a pretty good San Francisco team. But, man, there's some big injuries that you guys ended up with, uh, starting with Brandon Graham. Yeah, so the, the two guys who went down are, are two of their, you know, their best players, um, Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks. Brandon Graham, the defensive end, who's, been, who's the longest-tenured player on the team, obviously. I would imagine Cowboys fans are, are very familiar with him. And then Brandon Brooks, who's the right guard. And, like, on the one hand... You're like, oh, this is this is terrible. Um, you know, these guys are some of the best players on the team. They're some of the most important guys in the locker room, and and that's true. Obviously, you feel for the guys. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, you know, when you when you build a team that has so many guys over the age of thirty, um, this is sort of the price you pay, and this is sort of uh, what happens. And to their credit, you know, these are two positions where it seems like they should be. Uh, able to to pick up some of the slack. I mean, for Brandon Brooks, they drafted Landon Dickerson out of Alabama in the second round. He's the one who replaced him um, on Sunday, and that was his first game healthy. He had he had been out of uh, practice all training camp 
rehabbing a torn ACL. So this was his first game, and obviously it ended up that that, that that was the game that he finally got thrown in. And like, if they can't, if he's not good enough to keep the offensive line moving without Brandon Brooks, you know, that's that's a, that's a bigger problem than uh, you know just on a, on a game to game basis. That's that's a bad pick. Um, and then on the defensive side, with Brandon Graham. You've got Josh Sweat, who they just gave an extension to, uh, Derek Barnett. They signed Ryan Kerrigan. You know, those guys, between the three of them and their third-round pick, Milton Williams, who's been playing mostly defensive tackle but will probably start to play more defensive end with Graham out, you know, it's not going to be quite the same, but they should still have a very good defensive line even without Brandon Graham. So uh, I think Eagles fans are, like, crossing their fingers that it doesn't it doesn't get worse than this injury-wise, but – if this is about it for now, they, they should be able to uh, maintain basically the level of play that they've had. So both both of us are kind of covering teams with newer or newish head coaches to right. those teams. Uh, what is your opinion so far of Nick Sirianni, and what do you gauge as kind of the fan base's feeling about him right now? So uh, I think the fan base's introduction to Sirianni, you guys probably saw that, that introductory press conference that was sort of, you know, made fun of by everybody, and, and deservedly so. It was, it was pretty silly. Um, and, they, you know, they didn't do him any favors, like putting him up on a stage um, in just an awkward Zoom situation. So, that, you know, that, that, that has come back to bite him. Although, to his credit, he used it before week one as like an example of uh, an embarrassing moment that you get past. So he's, he's owned it a little bit. Um, you know... When he first got here, my opinion was, like, is this, like, peppiness, happy-go-lucky stuff? Like, how is that going to play in a locker room of, of grown men, right? Um, you know, it's a little bit different than Chip Kelly, but to me, like, Chip Kelly treated guys like kids. Um, and I was, I was worried that they might look at Nick Sirianni and think, like, who is this joker? Like, let me just play football. <laughs> but he makes a good point, and I think this is true, that... Like, really, all guys care about is, is can you make them better? Um, and if what you're selling, you can see it actually making a difference for you on the field, I think, I think guys will buy in. And, and I give credit to some of, the, some of those older veterans who have bought in. You know, Zach Ertz, who everybody thought was going to get traded. He said this is, like, the most fun that he's had coming to work in a very long time. Now, like, if they start losing a bunch of games and Sirianni still bring in, like, the happy-go-lucky pep every day, I wonder if that will wear off. But, but for now, it has worked. But that said, like, the, the real thing that matters is what does he do on offense? Because Doug Peterson wasn't fired because he was a bad head coach. He was fired because he was a bad play caller and he had a stale offense. So through the first two games, we have seen two totally different types of offenses from uh, this Eagles offense. The first week was like short passes, uh, short passes, short passes. And the second week was bombs away. Uh, like week one, Jalen Hurts had the shortest average length of uh, pass in the league. Then week two, it was the longest. So they need to find out what their identity is. And, I, and I'm just curious to see what Sirianni's offense looks like as the season goes along. It really is fascinating how different teams have looked not just Cowboys and Eagles, but just across the NFL, how different some teams have looked from week one to week two. I don't remember it ever being like this in any other to start any other season. And because the, the Cowboys have been the same way, you know, they started okay. out that they were going to sit there and and they were going to win. They were going to beat the Bucks by throwing the ball. And then they come into this game. And just because of the way the Chargers defended them, they ran heavy. And I would say that the Cowboys played pretty consistent in, in, in both games. But there's just been a lot of teams across the league that I feel like either had a really good game in week one and played awful in week two or vice versa. So right. it's kind of interesting to hear that too. The only other one I had for you real quick is, uh, so when last season ended, I think most of us that appeared on this podcast didn't seem too concerned about the idea that Jalen Hurts is the Eagles quarterback. Right. Um, how did you feel at the end of the season? And, and then kind of how do you feel now about it? So I, I, th I, was, I think I was a little bit more... Uh, bullish on him at the end of last season than most people. Not like he's definitely the guy, but but more that he deserves a shot. Um, he deserves this one season audition, uh, and and that's just because like he didn't really get a chance last year. And you you saw some highlights, like you saw some flashes. Um, and in the summer, like it, he did, like he did actually improve over the course of the summer. The first week, he it was it was tough for him uh, against the Eagles defense, and he did like really become better as a passer as the season went on, as he got more com or the, the summer went on, as he got more comfortable in the offense. And week one, like it looked great. And 
like what what didn't work for him last year the real problem was he turned the ball over a ton and like if he could just get rid of that and you had a healthy offensive line and he's able to you know just get a little bit better as a passer like that's a recipe for success especially in this division now i think the eagles like long term next offseason they've got potentially three first round picks i think they probably do want to make some kind of splash at the position but I mean, through two games, I'm I'm intrigued enough to to think that I I want to see this thing play out for the full season with Jalen Hurts. Um, I just I, I think I think there might be something there, and like I always think this is a little bit overrated, but uh, his like pull on the guys in the locker room is is pretty real. Like they those guys like him a lot. They they really do gravitate toward towards his his personality. So uh, not like the most important thing in terms of who's your franchise quarterback, but but something that matters a little bit, especially given who the Eagles had before Jalen Hurts. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a really good point. Um, and, you know, it feels like a way, and I'm not, I, I think the Eagles are, are going to be a better team than someone like, say, the Lions or something. But I think like even like last night's an example where like the Lions can, if the game's close, can hang with you. But if the Lions are going to be put in a position where they have to they get behind and have to throw sure. it's going to be problematic and I feel like that's where you can beat the Eagles is by getting ahead and forcing Jalen Hurts to throw them you know into into some games and I feel like it's very clear that that is the the recipe for beating the Eagles like I, I just feel like and look it's early and I understand that but like the the pocket passing thing is well, we knew that about him before he was even drafted Right, like you know, that was going to be, have to make some major leaps, and I just don't know if that happens this year. And and I don't know if one year is long enough in a rope to to give him. You know, I I really don't even know, but I I do know that you know for this game or whatever, getting ahead of the Eagles feels like a very easy recipe for beating them because I don't think they're going to be able to get in a shootout and start slinging it around. I mean, I feel like overall. We're probably talking about an, a, a bad offense. Would, would you agree with me on that? I think, yeah. I mean, I think their ceiling is like, you know, twelfth in the league or something like that. I think, I yeah. think, you know, most likely they are they are a bottom half offense for sure. Um, and the defense is is better than that. But I think you're right. Like it's it's to to see this team like fully playing from behind is going to be interesting uh if they're one dimensional it it didn't really happen in that Niners game until they f- they fell down 14-3 in the fourth quarter and then they did sort of go bombs away now the flip side to that is like if it's still close enough um and defense has really come off what we've seen in in like two minute drills and in that situation against the Niners is like all of a sudden lanes do really open up for Jalen Hurts to run um but I think you're right. Like you want you want to you want to make Jalen Hurts beat you with his arm. That's that's definitely true. And if you look at like his his heat map, like where he throws the ball, um, like he does not throw the ball over the middle of the field very much. He he has a nice deep ball, especially when he gets it out on time. Um, and he likes to throw to his right. Like he's always rolling to his right if pressure comes. So if you can like take away the outside of the field and force Jalen Hurts to throw over the middle, I think you're you're even more. Um, you know, trying to make him do something that he hasn't proven he can do. Yeah, this is a fascinating matchup from the Cowboys' perspective because it's like week one. I mean, we're just really going to see the full everything that Dan Quinn has in these first three games. Right. It's like week one, you get Tom Brady. You know he's not going to get out of, the, out of the pocket, but you also know that he's going to get the ball out quick, and you're probably not going to have a chance to really sack him. Justin Herbert likes to extend plays, get outside, but then still throw. Jalen Hurts, you have a completely different quarterback than those other two. Uh, so that yeah. that part from a Cowboys perspective will be really interesting. Uh, but I have to ask you this one other one other quarterback question, uh, just because it's something that I probably think about more than uh, I should. But okay. what about the possibilities if things don't work out with Jalen Hurts? Do you think the Eagles there's just any chance that maybe in the offseason that, that they would be a player for Deshaun Watson? Well, I mean, if you believe the reports. Deshaun Watson said no, like he doesn't want to go to the Eagles. Um, so, like I, I'm sure that the Eagles have looked into it. Uh, you know, they will tell you that they care about that position more than anything. I mean, that that goes without saying, right? But um, they're always going to look into that. Uh, you know, the the the, the uh, reaction from the fan base that I've heard is is pretty negative about that. Like they do not want Deshaun Watson, and and I would probably agree with that. But 
That's right. Quarterback factory. Uh, I think he just wants to go to Miami. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think I think they have looked into it, and my understanding is that like as long as as long as Deshaun Watson holds on to his you know, trade clause and and can sort of help decide where he wants to go, that he doesn't want to doesn't want to come to Philly. The reason I think about it is because the clear advantage that the Cowboys have in the division, if you look at all the rosters, is that they have the best quarterback. A hundred percent. And then how quickly that all of a sudden one of those other teams can close that gap considerably, if not take the lead. If all of a sudden you were to get Deshaun Watson, I will say that these first two games of what Dak's played this year, even if Deshaun Watson went to those one teams, I think I'd, I'd still give Dak the edge. But Deshaun Watson closes that gap considerably if he goes to, and, and I don't really see him going to the Giants, but if you, if you were, if you didn't know anything about the behind the scenes and you're just like, what team would have the capital? What team would be willing to go after him? Where would he make the biggest impact right away? Like on that short list, I would think of is Philadelphia and Washington. So that's the only reason why I've thought yeah. about that. But yeah, uh, well, it's, it's interesting your... you say it from the Eagles fan standpoint, because I thought they would be about it. Because I just think of, the, of course, there's going to be some fans that are just like, yeah, you know, I don't want that, that, that baggage from off, off the field, you know, when there's so many unknowns of what's going on uh, with him off the field right now. But then there's other fans that are just like, well, yeah, if he's cleared, I don't care. He's a good player. Let's bring right. him on. Well, to your point, though, like we've seen over the past couple off seasons that like, quarterbacks move around more now than they have in the past right they have they have that agency to sort of push for it like no one expected Stafford to go anywhere necessarily you know a year ago nobody would have thought that Carson Wentz was going to get traded from the Eagles so the Eagles do have I mean they've got their first round pick they've got the Dolphins first round pick and they've got the Colts pick which could be a first could be a second depending on how many game how many many snaps Carson Wentz plays so you've got potentially three first round picks you've got uh, a bunch of cap money coming off the books next offseason the Eagles have like have pointed everything towards next offseason they signed like nothing but one-year deals this year in free agency they are very much like loading up to potentially be able to make a play for a quarterback next year. So even if it's not Deshaun Watson, if there's somebody who we're not thinking about who shakes loose, who is a you know top half of the league quarterback, I think there's a, a good chance that the Eagles will be interested in, in trying to close the gap between Dak Prescott and the rest of the division. The other reason why I bring that up is just because I know it's way too early, and once the draft gets closer, there will always be guys everyone's talking about. But I just think that this quarterback class is awful. Yeah. Like the, the idea that you're going to get, let's say if you're from an Eagles perspective, it's like, no, guys, calm down. It's going to be fine. Yes, we're going to lose Jalen Hurts, but we'll bring in Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell. Like that, right. that, that gets you pumped up. Like that's, I don't know. It just, it's, it's one thing when you have those years where you have like a Trevor Lawrence or you have like even a Deshaun Watson and some of those where you got this proven guy on the field that you're like, well, I've seen what that guy can do. This just doesn't seem like a great draft to be at the top, have, you know, to, to take a quarterback. But you bring up a good point. I mean, all the movement. I mean, heck, even the, a couple of years ago, did Tom Brady even go to Tampa? Is just right. mind-boggling. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it is fascinating to see what, what goes on there. If it Because I just felt like going into the season that the Eagles were kind of like, well, we're not going to force anything right now at quarterback. Let's see what we have in Jalen Hurts. Let's give him a full season. We'll learn about him. And if it doesn't work out and the season's awful, then we have we have a high draft pick and all this other draft capital. If it does work out, great. We got our franchise quarterback and we can focus on other areas. Right, exactly right. And and then you think about like if for some reason, if Jalen Hurts is good enough this year that you think you do want to move forward with him, then all of a sudden you've got three first round picks to use just as first round picks. And all of a sudden you're infusing some talent into a roster that, that needs to build uh, from the bottom up youth wise. So uh, they're, they're in an interesting position next off season for sure. Like everything, whatever happens this year for the Eagles is like, is gravy basically. Um, that's the way that, that they have approached it from, from my vantage point. Hey John, I've got a question. And then after John answers, Bo, I kind of want you to tell us a little bit about what's going on with, with your secondary. Sure. Uh, John, John, where are we at on Amari Cooper? So he's still dealing with the bruised rib. You know, I watched that play over three or four times. I don't think he hurt his rib on that last play he went out on. I think he hurt his rib on another play and was playing through it because he doesn't even really take a shot when, when Dak throws it to him and he cuts between two defenders. So I'm thinking it happened earlier in the game, but here's, here's the other part that factors in with me. Like, Generally, if something's real serious, at the bare, at the bare minimum, you go into the blue medical tent. And he didn't do that. He didn't go to the he didn't go into the locker room, and he didn't even really talk to the athletic trainers on the sideline. I mean, he went bright. He was standing right back on the sideline, helmet on, like he was ready to go back in, like he was going to play if there was an overtime. So, 
it was interesting on the radio this morning for Jerry not to automatically say, yeah, I expect him to play against the Eagles with us knowing, like, even if you don't follow Jerry Jones any other year, except for just the last month, you just hear how he talks about the Zach Martin with COVID, Randy Gregory with COVID, how it's just like, no, 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 there's still a chance. There's still a chance. I mean, even down to the last day when he does his second radio interview of the week. So for him to sit there and say that he honestly doesn't know, that was kind of, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, Amari has shown that he will play through injuries. I hope he yeah. plays because I like seeing him go against Darius Slay. I think those are really good matchups. Um, he has and obviously, killed the Eagles in the past. Yeah, I mean, and he played he played well against he played well against uh, Slay up in Detroit the the last game there. But I think that that's just a really good matchup. I know that Amari you know looks forward to. Uh, so as of right now, I think he plays. Maybe he's not a hundred percent, but I think he ends up playing through this and. One of the factors why is kind of going back to what we started this podcast off with, just that there just aren't that many NFC East games early in the season. Like the importance of winning this game, and, and you know, I just think it. I think it's too valuable. I think as long as he does. Now again, Mike McCarthy didn't say that they're broken. He said that he's dealing with bruised ribs. I mean, if there's any type of fracture or something there, then yeah, you're going to want it to sit. But if it's just a bruise and he can play through it, he's going to play through it. Just Secondary. a lingering type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I will say this, that does change everything. Let's hypothetically, Amari Cooper couldn't go. That changes everything about the Cowboys' offense when the Eagles are able to lock in more on Ceedee Lamb well, and so, not have to pick and choose. You know, right? Well, so it's interesting from an Eagles uh, perspective because you know last year Darius Slay followed Amari Cooper, and right now, like the Eagles are playing almost ninety percent zone. Um, and, and those guys are not switching. Darius Slay is just staying on the left. Steven Nelson is just staying on the right. The Eagles have sort of settled into like a very defined identity in, in these first two games. They're playing very heavy zone, second heaviest in the league. Uh, they are not blitzing very often, second fewest blitzes in the league. But they are playing that bend but don't break style, sort of trying to crib a little bit from Brandon Staley's Rams. And they have allowed only two plays all season long of 20 yards or more, which is the fewest in the league. They want to force you to move the ball down the field, stay patient, and then punch it in in the red zone. And that worked very well against Atlanta in week one. It worked very well against the Niners for the most part. Uh, they did give up two 90-plus yard drives, but they only gave up 17 points. So it's it's been a pretty good defense so far. Um, but the flip side to that is the two teams they've played have both been, uh, you know, 12 personnel, full 21 personnel uh, heavy on the field. They have not played an offense, uh, you know, nearly as explosive as this offense and and just personnel wise like an 11 personnel heavy offense like the Cowboys are I'm I'm curious to see what the Eagles are going to do if they're going to make any big changes to the way they have played through the first two two weeks well were you surprised or what were just your overall thoughts of the Josh Sweat deal and um just you know obviously them giving that deal they must think that there's still I mean he's a good player but obviously they probably think there's even better ball to play ahead how, how do you feel about that yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's good business. Um, he's only 24 years old, uh, so he was drafted very young. Yeah, you know, he had six sacks last season. He's always been the second guy in the rotation behind Derek Barnett, and it's interesting because Barnett's contract is up at the end of this year too. So, not to say that they have chosen Sweat over him, they may end up signing Barnett too. But um, I think I think it's good business. Like I, I think. Uh, you should always be looking to extend like your good players, especially for an Eagles team that cares so much about the line of scrimmage. You know, a week earlier they signed Jordan Mailata, who's who's young as well um, and has emerged. And so, uh, you know, Sweat now needs to step up with Brandon Graham gone. Like it's sort of you got your money now. Let's now let's really see what you can do. Um, and if you talk to guys on the roster after the summer, like who's going to, who's going to have a big season, like who's primed for a big year. A bunch of guys said Josh Sweat because he had such a great training camp. So, um, you know, he's been pretty good through the first two weeks, but no sacks. So let's, 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 uh, let's go see a do something now, Josh Sweat. So um, I, I think it was a good move and the, the money is not really that crazy, uh, especially if he takes just a little bit of a leap. So um, good move, but let's, let's go see him prove it. So obviously in that game against San Francisco, you had uh, you know the the deep shot to Jalen Rager mm. that that ended up being called back. Uh, but then uh, what what have we seen from Devontae Smith as well early in the year? I know we're talking about just two two games, but you know through his through training camp as well, wasn't he dealing with some injuries? He was. He had a, he had a uh, a knee injury that 
cost him a couple weeks of practice. But it was clear from like the first day of camp that he was going to be the number one receiver, the focal point of the passing offense, and that he was, you know, he was a really, really good route runner, route runner as as expected, as advertised. Week one, he was good. Um, he had, I think, seventy three yards and a touchdown, six catches. Um, his first catch was a touchdown, and. He, you know, Jalen Hurts and him do seem to have a pretty good rapport, but he did not do much in uh, the second game against the Niners. Only two catches, although he did draw, I think, two pass interference calls. So um, it was a bit of a step down, but but I think there's no doubt that he's going to be the uh, you know the leading receiver on this team as long as he stays healthy. It's pretty. It, I know, and KT, it, it's a good point that you say that it's early, but so I just got done watching like the all twenty-two of that entire Cowboys Chargers game. And I just got this feeling that like this year's draft this is going to end up being a lot like that 2014 one where it was like, yeah, okay, so the Cowboys ended up taking Zach Martin, even though everybody talked about Johnny Manziel. But you just look at that run right in that middle, like from 11 till about, you know, really 16 where Zach Martin went. You had Taylor Lewan, Odell Beckham, Aaron Donald, Kyle Fuller, Shazier, Zach Martin, C.J. Mosley. And I look at this year's draft – and the reason I bring up watching the Chargers thing is because all the talk right now, Bo, yeah, in, in Dallas, later. Oh, yeah, all the but I'm yeah, but I'm saying all the talk in Dallas about Micah Parsons. You watch that game over again. As good as Micah Parsons was when he went against Rayshon Slater, he wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I mean Rayshon Slater is yeah. a beast. So I just look at this draft, and I mean, obviously Patrick Sertan already looks, and again it's early, but yeah, already looks, looks certainly looks the part. Devontae Smith, I think, is going to be an excellent player. Justin Fields is right there. Micah Parsons. And then you have, uh, you know, maybe, well, the very next pick was Rayshon Slayer. So I wouldn't even go any farther than that. But, right. like, all those guys look like it was almost like, well, whoever you were going to take there, you had a pretty good chance of getting so someone decent. Was Parsons going on both sides last week? I haven't watched the game yet. Uh, yeah, Not yeah, yeah. much. Yeah. So what happened was uh, when he had success, he was going, he was, he was lining up at, left defensive end, which is typically where DeMarcus Lawrence right. is. Okay. So as long as they're playing him there going forward, I think that's what's going to happen because they're, they're probably going to get Randy Gregory back this week. He's more of a right right defensive end. Okay. And so that that kind of fits better there. The issue that they're running into, though, with this is that you know fans want to see – they see Micah go out there and play you know 40 snaps in edge rush, and they're just like, why can't he play every snap? Well, it's different when you're playing an sure. edge rusher as opposed to playing linebacker. So you have to battle that – well, do we want him out there for this many plays as a linebacker, or, or are we going to be limited? Because here's the thing. like When he was rushing against the Chargers, it was in passing situations. It was like one of those things like there wasn't a lot of first down stuff. It was like, hey, when they're in passing situations, we want this kid getting after Herbert. Let's They're going to move him around a little bit, but mostly when he, and then when he had his most success is when he was on the left side. And he was a difference maker. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, he was – uh, when he was not going up against Rashawn Slater because Rashawn Slater was stonewalling everyone, as John said – but I was kind of thinking about this matchup, and I'm not sure playing Micah Parsons at defensive end this week makes any sense at all. Because one thing that you saw, Micah Parsons was just winning with pure speed around the edge. When you start talking about, you know, the rules of keeping contain and things like that with Jalen Hurts, and we know Herbert can be a runner too, but you were talking even about Jalen Hurts running out to his right. You know, you're going to see Micah Parsons kind of storm. I can see it being a week where his aggressiveness – might get the best of him at defensive end because it's not like he's 100% refined at that position, you know, even though he played it in high school. And it looked pretty natural the way he was using his hands and stuff. His technique looked good and things like that. But I don't know that it makes a lot of sense with someone like Jalen Hurts, who we know will be used in the running game more than Herbert was and, and things like that. And there will be designed runs and things like that. So I – I'm not sure I even want him playing defensive end this week. And I also don't want Jalen Smith playing at all, even though Jalen had a decent game against the Chargers. But to, to your point, KT, if you're a Cowboys fan, yeah, you should you should care and you should want Micah Parsons to have success against the Eagles. But there's also a part of you should just be happy that you're seeing a defense that's actually doing different things from week to week instead of being vanilla and being predictable. The fact that they even moved Micah Parsons there and it had success... That, that alone is just kind of like, oh, this is going to be defense that every week we don't know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, that information about him just being a DN didn't even leak out until like earlier that day because, yeah, we saw him doing D, DN stuff in that limited time of practice we get. But even before the game, 
he worked a little bit with the pass rushers, but when they were doing the pregame, like what they typically line up for the game about 20 minutes before, he was back working with the linebackers. So they did a good job of kind of keeping that under wraps, which is just not something very Cowboys-like. But, no, uh, Bo, the reason and I brought up the, the thing well, about that was the, the, oh, that was the worry about Dan Quinn, right, was that he was going to come in and just do his – Right, his exact same, you know, Seahawks defense. We don't, we don't change what we do. We just do what we do, and we do it well. So it is interesting that he's he's mixing things up. And the other reason I brought up the thing about the draft is because um, while there was a lot of draft tie-ins with them taking Micah Parsons when Rashawn Slater was still on the board, there obviously during the draft was kind of like, why would they trade with the the Eagles right. and then they can get Devonte Smith? And it's like, well, if he's not going to the Eagles, he's going to the Giants anyway, right. and. As shocking as this is, the Cowboys can't take a wide receiver every year in the first round, so they weren't going to take him. So it was like he was going to go to another NFC East team. So, well, and it's also funny how it worked out because, as you said, like there's that great potentially like really good run of players, and the yeah. Giants parachuted out and they get a guy That's who's true. not even on the field. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I feel like Philadelphia would have taken. Whoever, I mean, I feel like they would have taken Micah Parsons if yeah. Who Dallas was? Had who gone else would else, have been you know? a consideration yeah. there? Would they have taken Slater? Oh, well, here's the, it was just Justin Fields would have been. Oh, so yeah, they would have had yeah. to pro- they well, would have had to promise the Cowboys we're not taking Justin Fields. I would imagine because when I walked into the store that night, the Cowboys were on the phone with Ryan Pace of the Bears. No, he would have been. They would have been about the no KT. They would have been fine with Justin Fields. It was strictly they did not they they. Parsons was clearly far. No, well, all the corners right. were gone before the Cowboys went on the clock. So the Cowboys, yeah. when they decided to trade back, it was strictly when they had talked to the Eagles. It was what position? I mean, what what side of the ball? And when they said offense, yeah. they didn't tell them like what position. When they said offense, they were like, "Yeah, we're going to do this." Because it was like they wanted one of those two corners, but it was like, "Okay, if we're not going to get this, let's get something else." But then we can still get Micah Parsons because that's technically who we think is the our best defender. So is when the Eagles said it was offense, even if it was Justin Fields or or whoever, it could have been Rashawn Slater, they were going to be fine with that. It's kind of bad business to let them take a quarterback though, right? Well, from the Eagles' perspective, so they traded down from 6 initially, remember to, you know, to, oh, yeah. to the Dolphins before, you know, before the draft started. So like a, a couple weeks early. And I think once they moved down from 6, they made it pretty clear that they weren't taking a quarterback. Otherwise, you don't move down from six, right? If you love a quarterback, sure. you stay there and you maybe move up for him. So the the Fields conversation, they must, for whatever reason, whether it's they wanted to give Jalen Hurts a year, whether it's they just didn't like Justin Fields or they didn't like any of the quarterbacks besides from uh, Zach Wilson, who, who we had heard that they liked, I think they had made the decision they weren't going to take one. So when it went, when it started, the reason they moved up for Smith is because he was like the last guy that they really wanted. I think if Smith if if Smith had gone to somebody else at ten, they would have taken the Giants deal. They would have moved down all the way because they didn't mm-hmm. love the other guys in that area. And they, uh, you know, from from their like organizational values perspective, they were not going to take a linebacker at uh, you know at twelve overall. So maybe so you Darius Tony or something like that. Yeah, so I don't, do I don't th- know if they would have taken Tony, but they they <laughs> might have done something like that. So do you think if they stay at their originally original position? And Zach Wilson is there. Do you think Zach Wilson's the pick at six? Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't uh, get that reporting. It, I think it was one of the national guys who said the Eagles liked Zach Wilson a okay. little bit, but um, I think that's possible. I just was wondering because you know, going into the draft, there was just so much hype about all those quarterbacks, and I was just wondering if there was one that ever emerged with the Eagles, like yeah. they really like this guy or not. It's hard to, it's hard for me to believe that. Like, I think they wanted a year off from like all the all the focus on the quarterback after everything that happened with Carson Wentz and like you shouldn't you shouldn't make decisions this way right. but there's no way they're going to draft a North Dakota state quarterback True. after Carson Wentz yeah. blows up right they're not going to take Trey Lance that would have been insane um even if you know they should have if he was the the top guy on their board so i think they were like they had this new coach i think they wanted to to give him a year to sort of build things up before they decided they were going to go all in with the quarterback again you know, I, we talk a lot in Dallas. I, I think probably the most of our time on the show is spent talking about just the Cowboys organization and how it's run, things like that. If I would have told you in 2017 when you're on the field, Bo, <laughs> covering that Super Bowl as the confetti is coming down, that four years later you'd have a different quarterback, a different head coach, everything. Just how is this whole situation viewed in Philadelphia? Is this – is this weird or is everyone just like, no, we're the Eagles. This is, it's going to be crazy. Is everybody surprised that like they cleaned house and they're already onto it, 
a new, basically new direction after the Super Bowl, or was everybody kind of pissed off that they let it fall apart? Yeah, I mean, things happen quickly, uh, and you're right. It's like it's insane. It's crazy. Even to think about like the year after, uh, they rally, they make the playoffs, they beat the Bears at the last second, so that you make it to the second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, like things are going great, and you think Doug Peterson's like one of the best coaches in the league, and uh, it just it totally got stale. Like the and the way that I've talked about it is that. Like, I don't think Doug Peterson, the head coach, was fired necessarily. It's just that his offense got so stale, um, so uncreative. His play calling was was just, like, not good enough that they like you, you can't keep him and bring in somebody else to run the offense, right? That's just not a tenable thing. Um, so they, they basically fired Doug Peterson, the offensive coordinator, and, and brought in Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator, uh, to, to put in his offense. But the Wentz thing is, like... It's just crazy. And, you know, people in Philadelphia, I think fairly, uh, probably don't like Carson Wentz very much, given everything that's happened. Um, Mm. But it's just like it happened. Like last year was such a crazy year. But like watching it on a week in, week out basis, I do think that people were just like, you know, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to move on. And obviously it would have been different if. Well, everything would have been different if, like, Carson Wentz was the quarterback who won the Super Bowl. But uh, because it was Foles and because of all those things that happened, it's just been such an odd situation for the past four years. Yeah, well, I'm not bullshitting because you're on this podcast or anything. I'm, I'm being completely honest. That story that you and Sheil and, and Zach Berman did oh, so uh, good. is one oh of the gosh. best things yeah. that I've read from the, anybody at The Athletic or really anybody that covers any NFL team. In, in at least the last five years. I mean, it was so thorough, and anybody that hasn't read that, you need to read it. it. The headline on it, if you want to look it up, it's Paranoia, Mismanagement, and Office Politics Inside the Eagles' Downfall under Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman. And it was just so well done. And, and there's, there's, a it's very pretty nice known, Thank you. <laughs> there's a pretty known media member who um, some people will figure this out and others that can't, I don't really care, but complained about it on Twitter and wrote an, uh, I believe he wrote a post about how it's like, who wants to read this stuff and how long it is? I was just like, he is not um, capable of reading. um, Excuse me, but like, do you understand (laughs) where this beast is going? Like I always say in here, I probably say it too much, but like today's NFL fan is the most educated fan there's ever been because there's just more information out there than there's ever been before. And nobody wants less. Everybody wants more of this information. And that, that piece that you guys did is is just incredible that's what every fan wants from from every team behind the scenes yeah i mean you guys killed it well thank you very much i did uh, the uh like it's too long who wants to read the longer than two sentences like all right like go go aggregate some more other people believe me believe me if if you're putting out you know five thousand words of bullshit yeah nobody wants to read it when it's real good like stuff that nobody else has not to mention behind the scenes stuff like that and, and that great detail I, I just don't understand how everybody wouldn't want to read that. Like whether you're an Eagles fan or you're just an NFL fan in general. And to Kent's point, the reason why everybody should care about that is because that team won the Super Bowl. And it's not like this is 15, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Like for this to have to be where they were and the, and the fall as quickly as they did and then to have all that behind the scenes about it. Yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah, and I think it was like a lesson in, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is probably happening in most buildings across the league, right? And and it's sort of the importance of, like, just people management. Like, it's it's such, it's such an underrated yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And I think that was, yeah, that was one of the lessons we learned. I was wondering if the, if the Eagles fans view, like, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman as, like, the enemies in this situation. Like, I can't believe y'all could let this fall apart. Or do they view them as, like, the heroes on... Thank you for getting this crap out of here. Now we're now we're better off, you know. Like, do they do they feel that like they're still screwed because the same people are still running the, the team? I think most people have their eyes set on Howie Roseman as as the reason um, yeah. that things have gone gone wrong. Uh, whether that's right or wrong, I think that's the way that that most Eagles fans probably feel. Wow, I I'm I'm very curious to see. Uh, how things go, Bo. Last thing I had for you, you know, the Cowboys and Eagles have a lot of history. What's like a Cowboys Eagles memory that you can mm. that comes to mind? Like maybe going down to a game or something like that. Um, what, what's I a memorable? My, uh, what what game? the first thing that pops to mind is my first. So I I 
originally I worked for the Eagles uh, when I first started. I was an intern for like the Eagles website in okay. 2009. And so the, my first season is the playoff game between the Eagles and Cowboys. And, you know, I had been to most of the games, but I didn't get to travel to this road playoff game. So I'm sitting there watching. Donovan and then McNabb. here comes Donovan McNabb yeah. doing the guitar thing before they get blown <laughs> yeah. out. Before they get blown <laughs> out. And I was I like, oh, my God. So that's that's actually like the first thing that comes to mind. Is Cowboys played, was that when they played guitar. them two weeks in a row and they had to? They played them two weeks in a yeah, row. And then yeah. they traded him that offseason. They, they, they traded McNabb, moved to Cobb, and then quickly it was Vic. So. That's yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Although the second thing that comes to mind, I think it was two years ago. Uh, the the I think it was a Sunday night game, and there was a tornado that was going on. Oh man, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. And, that was terrible. And so you that know, was how like, they have, like that was the, a really the, bad bad tornado too. Yeah. Yeah. So the the guy who from the press box who was driving us back to the hotel, we're just like sitting under a highway <laughs> overpass, like waiting for this <laughs> no. tornado to pass by for like Welcome forty five minutes. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. That, do that, you uh, do you uh, stay at the team hotels ever, or do you kind of book your own? And, and I was just wondering if you ever like if they have media buses that you can sometimes take from the hotel to the stadium. With generally, because the Cowboys will do this sometimes, where if you stay at the team hotel, you can jump on one of the buses. There's usually three or four mm. that go with like the second round of players, like they're on their own bus. Oh, we are we are not afforded that privilege. Oh we wow, okay. no, do so. Like, so I never from the players yeah no chance. yeah so we're not around the, no so okay so the players are always on the first bus so but if media wants to get on one of those buses they're on there with like sponsors and like okay. there's probably some family members and things like that and so i never stay at the team hotel i mean i'll go by there and sing i shouldn't say never i do from time to time but in yeah, philadelphia it would only be by happenstance right yeah. philadelphia though I always make sure I get over there to take the buses over because yeah. when they get the egged, eggs, it yeah. is the best. Oh, it is funny. the best, man. Like, like it's like as soon as you like you get off the freeway exit, and as you're kind of going through the back area there, there's like tailgates on both sides, That's and it's great. like it's just like especially when it's at night, like you don't even see them coming. You're just like going, and then you just hear like you just hear like 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 a couple different like, and then when you get out, like they're just like just running down the side of the bus. Like that will always be like my favorite my favorite thing about. Just going to Philadelphia. Just I love pulling into Philly, pulling into Philly, and pull, it used to be pulling into the old Oakland uh, place. Yeah. Like you, you go through there, and like as far as the eye can see, and like well, this is the media bus. There's no players, and like but they don't know that, you know. The, as far as the eye can see, it's just middle fingers. You know, <laughs> every right, person right. who can see the bus is raising a middle finger towards the bus, and uh, you know, I appreciate the the hospitality uh, at the link. I remember my my memory, John, of the link is. 2014 season towards the end and uh you know des had like multiple touchdowns in that game remember tony romo like mm-hmm. dropped that teardrop touchdown in uh, i remember that game as a game like nobody thought dallas would win and it really sealed the deal and like silenced the eagles fans like mid third quarter they kind of knew it was over you know um i there's just been some you, you can't replicate the energy of an nfc east rival uh rivalry game and I'm excited that like Bo's gonna be able to see a you know full crowd again after the pandemic and, and experience yeah. the uh, the glory of Cowboys Eagles finally. Well, another big one is that 2019 game in Philly at the end of the season. That's essentially the game that ended Jason Garrett's time as Cowboys head coach because right. that yeah. Eagles team wasn't very good. Oh, and they yeah. just gave them every opportunity to win that game and win the division, and they just couldn't. Carson do Wentz it. had and, no receivers and was hurt, and they still yeah. beat the Cowboys. <laughs> and I, I want to say I could be wrong on this. I want to say it was Miles Sanders, but. It was like like the last run and, and like the final minute to just basically run out the clock to guarantee that like they weren't get the ball back. And I, uh, we went down like to go to the locker room, and I will just never forget like how loud that place was when he broke off that run. And I was just it, you could just feel like the hatred that Eagles fans have for the Cowboys. They knew that they were ruining the Cowboys season. I'll, I'll that's probably my most memorable that one, and then that that one where the Cowboys won where Amari. That Dax pass should have been intercepted, oh, wow, but it got yeah. tipped up, and Amari caught it. Like that one those too. Two oh, yeah, games. Rasul, Rasul Douglas. Yeah, and the right. uh, the Thanksgiving game when oh, when no. Mark Sanchez destroyed the Cowboys at home. And uh, that was, was the worst the Thanksgiving of my life. I had to, I, I was doing yeah, the post game show from from like the Eagles uh, complex, and they had ordered us like a turkey to be nice, and it was raw, <laughs> so we had to like oh. figure out a way to cook a whole turkey. <laughs> oh my goodness, tough. Well, Bo, uh, we got to get your pick before you bounce. Uh, who do you think is going to win this game? 
Oh, it's early. I want to let it marinate a little bit longer, see what's going to happen. But if you're putting me on the spot, I, it's hard for me to pick against the Cowboys in this game. There you go. All right, there it is. Bo, thanks for hanging with us, man. We really appreciate it. Thank of you, course. Sir. Thank you guys for having me. There he goes, Bo Wolf of the Birds with Friends podcast, and also uh, his work at The Athletic. Um, well, guys, we should do our picks as well since Bo has um, picked the Cowboys there. I'm, I'll go first this week. Uh, Cowboys 27, Eagles 17. John, what do you think? I'm going, you know, I picked against the Cowboys last week, and I think this game is going to be very similar to really those first two. I think it comes down uh, to the very end. Uh, Maybe not quite to a last-second field goal, uh, but I do think it is going to be one of those games where it comes down to the last drive or two. Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys, though, uh, 35-31. High scoring. Yes, sir. All right, and Kent. I'll take the same spread, John, uh, but I'll go slightly lower. I'll go Cowboys uh, 24, Philly 20. All right, there it is. Those are uh, our picks right there. Looks like we all all go in Cowboys uh, this time. So, so that's not good for sure. the Cowboys? Yeah, it might not be good. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Last week I I, uh, I picked them and they won, so, you know, we'll see. I was going more um, off of like whenever I watch any of the pregame shows when like ever and then they like they have the they get they have their pickers and then it has like the five names on the bottom and then it has whatever logo of, and it's just like whenever it's everyone has the same exact logo across like that's that's the time to go against them so we'll see well we'll be here with you um on um monday night late you know and have it up for you on tuesday morning um cowboys and eagles got the monday night game this week so a little time to rest get amari cooper's ribs right all those things. Got a little extra time. Big home game. The AT&T Stadium opener for 2021. Will be a full house, as you can imagine. And then the, the real conversation that you'll just have to choose if you're like me and aren't going to go to the game. Not going to cover it like John. Or you're going to watch the real ESPN broadcast or you're going to watch Peyton and Eli talk about it. Peyton and Eli. Uh, that's just a... Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, unless they are bring in kind of a bad guest, you know. I've had a lot of gronk forced on me. Yeah, put some Gronk in there. I, say, yes. I feel like they'll bring you know, some I... some great old school Cowboys on there. You know, Michael Irvin will pop in. Michael Irvin for sure. They'll, they'll yes. bring some old old players that played with Dak. You know, maybe uh, Dez pops in, something like that. So, yeah, it'll be I'd fun. love to see Troy or Romo. I think that'd be cool if Troy or Romo got in there. I just don't know how the but... cross-market team goes yeah. with that like michael irvin's more is an nfl network guy romo's a cbs guy like because it's on espn i wonder how that works you know what i'm saying like yeah working at different I, networks. Made, me, made me curious too because they had ray lewis well, but yeah on you know what stuff. kt uh, michael irvin whoever does mondays with steven that's a, right he? that's right all right uh, just, uh good one so, though ken daz would be great to have on there but but romo or troy probably more contra- contractual type things yeah. yeah i bet you're right there but either way, it'll be fun. Cowboys, Eagles, Monday night, and we'll uh, join you after uh, on the next edition of About Them Cowboys. I think Cowboys fans aren't the play it safe type.